the best way I can measure that is by asking my wife, do I seem different to you? <laughs> and the answer is yes, because she knows me better than anybody. She knows me better than I know myself. And if she detects that, like, there's a difference in my spirituality, that the way I talk about it, that the way I approach it, that I'm more patient or more humble, things like that, those are the things that have come out of my time with Pastor Woody. This is the HBIC Podcast, our Discipleship Weekly, where we talk with folks from HBIC and dig into the practical side of following Jesus in their lives. My name is Ryan Cagno. This week I talked with uh, Christian Jacinto about the proper pronunciation of his last name, what it means to come from the Catholic Church, to be a part of our church, uh, check in on what Pastor Woody is doing these days and how he's mentoring and investing in Christian's life uh, in big ways. Uh, it's a great conversation. Christian's a great guy. Go Birds. Enjoy the podcast. Subscribe. New episodes weekly on Fridays or Thursdays if I feel like it. We are rolling. We are recording a podcast. Hello, Christian Jacinto. That's Jacinto. Oh, for real? Have I been saying your name wrong this whole time? Uh, Hello, Christian Jacinto. Jacinto. Yeah. What's going on, brother? All the way from far away <coughs> Philadelphia. From right outside Philadelphia. All the way from the greater Philadelphia area, people from would, uh, Delaware County. People from actual Philadelphia would uh, would get offended if I didn't say the the right outside. So Where are you from, actually? From North Wales, Pennsylvania. North Mon Wales. Montgomery County. Oh, Montgomery County. Yeah. You're not even in Delaware County. No, not Delaware. Well, so forget it. So you don't have the Delaware near, accent. Uh, Montgomery County and Bucks County. So. Oh, yeah, that's okay. Yeah. So... The greater, greater, the greater, Philadelphia greater Philadelphia area. area. Eastern PA. Eastern would be PA. more what you're from. Mm -hmm. But you're still at the point where it's like kind of sprawling suburbs. Like, Oh, yeah. 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 When my parents moved to that house in 1997, I think that's when they bought it. It was like all farmland, surprisingly. Um, mm. There's nothing. There's Kmart in town. Oh, yeah. We live near a quarry, which was pretty sweet. Uh, but yeah, now it's one of the most developed areas in the state. Um, the effect of Philadelphia and uh, yeah, just spreading out and gentrification. To a certain degree, but uh, we won't get into that. You can trade up your Kmart for a Target. Is it <laughs> is it worth it? I it mean, that's we did get a Target and we got rid of the Kmart. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's what happened. And I Kmart's worked at that the Target. real victim of gentrification. <laughs> I know. I don't know if we're going to talk about that in this podcast, but at some point. Just to um, break the ice a little bit. Yeah, yeah, everyone. That's always a good icebreaker to talk gentrification. Um, where did your parents live before that? My parents grew up in the Philippines. They, they were born and raised in the Philippines. They went to school there. And they came to the States in, done some quick math here, late 70s, early 80s. So they actually met in the States and they didn't meet in the Philippines and they were, they weren't, they're not from the same city. Um, my dad's from Japan, which is a city slash province in the Philippines. My mom's from, um, Pinaranda, which is a village right outside Manila. So please don't quote me on those exact locations. I haven't done, studied my geography of the Philippines, but, um, yeah, that, that's where they're from. So they met here and, they met through kind of a community of Filipinos in, in their area. Um, you know, they knew people who knew people. I think their parents kind of knew each other. Um, 
so that's how they met and they met here so was it like uh were there families at that point or would their networks have been kind of like you should find a filipino person to i think it was almost assumed right yeah. it was i don't think there was should i think it was when you come to a new country right you're naturally going to gravitate towards people with similar if not identical cultural backgrounds yeah as yourself so that's kind of just how it happened i guess i don't think there was any plans or anything like that it was i think they the story goes i think that they met at some party some big filipino gathering my dad was interested i think and they don't really talk about it too much but um yeah my dad was interested and then courtship happened and went on a few dates and they got married i think inside of like a year or something like that so courtship courtship yeah okay so yeah great story they're still married they just celebrated 40 years married i think was it this year i think it was this year yeah i think it was 40 years married this year i believe if not last year um so yeah they're they're still in the philly area um, thriving so doing great oh, nice okay did they ever put pressure on you to find a filipina woman to marry no okay no i think they they wanted they wanted me to be happy right and i think their honestly number one criteria if possible was to marry a christian I think it's easier to reconcile cultural differences and and work through that. And it doesn't even need to be viewed as work through a like any sort of reconciliation. It can be like a combination of, you know, different cultures and you kind of create something beautiful, um, which we have and we, we want to do and we're starting to do. So, yeah, Lindsay's of German descent. Um, she has some roots in Brazil with maybe not, I don't know what the right term was, but her grandparents were Germans living in Germany and then they moved to Brazil. Um, and then her mom was actually born in Brazil as well. And then they immigrated to the States. So she's actually uh, a child of an immigrant as well too. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Germany by way of Brazil. That's an mm -hmm. interesting way to do it. Yeah. Um, well, sorry for mispronouncing your last name. <laughs> There's makes, two ways to do it. It right? makes me feel better to know that everyone always pronounces my name wrong as well. So there we go. What do they say? They say Cagno. What is it? Everyone does. Kanyo is what it should Kanyo? be. Kanyo? But see, I've like, we've consciously Americanized. That's kind like, of how. For several generations. Yeah. So it's not really fair for me to be like, actually, it's Kanyo. Yeah. Uh, respect my Italianness or whatever. But yeah. Like, because I don't say Kanyo, but yeah. um, I probably should have known it was a soft J, so that's on me. But. Well, that's that's actually, and I've probably introduced myself as that, right? Oh, and you kind of go either way with it? Yeah, yeah. So it it depends on my audience, better or worse, right? But the proper way is obviously with the H. Mm -hmm. But I think just growing up here, that it's just easier to sometimes just say it phonetically. Yeah. So that's where I just go with the J. Um, and that's just kind of been, yeah, it's an Americanized version yeah. of it, right? I guess so. I also wouldn't, like, I don't know, like, Filipino um, pronunciation enough to know if it even mm -hmm. was a soft, I mean, if it was, 
if you yeah. were Spanish, then I would have mm. known it was it was Jacinto, I guess. But yeah, and it's interesting because even in other, what you would assume would be a, a J versus a soft H, like I know in Portuguese or in Brazil, at least I know some famous like like there's a famous UFC fighter Jose Aldo, where his name is spelled J A J O S E, and you would think it's Jose, but it, he goes by Jose. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, it. I guess it just depends on region of dialect and what language you speak. So I also was going to bring up Jose Aldo. Really? Be, no, I had no <laughs> idea. That was. I wonder if uh, I'm a pacifist. I, I, don't, yeah, I, I wonder, watch UFC. I wonder if our or listeners football. of many pacifists would uh, know or get the UFC reference. So, to my defense, um, you know, I don't watch as much UFC anymore. It's, it's okay, man. Yeah. Don't feel judgment. <laughs> it's better than boxing. Yeah, it, it's hard. Right, as like you probably older. love boxing too, and that, and that's fine. But I, the way I delineate it in my mind is yeah. like boxing. The literal point of it is to like knock someone unconscious yeah. and give them at least short term brain damage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like that's there are other ways to win UFC besides yeah. that, and like skill beyond just punching someone in the face. Yeah, but and even like football, like I have a hard time when they show replays of injuries. I always yell at the television, like, please stop! Like, why are you showing this guy's? Mm. how this guy got hurt like what value does it provide to us as a watcher viewer maybe that's me getting older maybe it's my inner pacifist coming out um, just growing as a as a brethren in christ let's go member so let's go um yeah whatever it may be i think that's just what i find myself i think the first time i woke up to that a little bit with football was my wife got me a Ryan Shazier jersey. I was, I am, I was a big Steelers fan um, until like a month ago. Um, she got me a Ryan Shazier jersey, and it was going to be a Christmas gift. But she was like, you know, uh, we're in the last couple weeks of the season. Like, let's not wait till Christmas because you can just have it early and watch the game in it. Um, this is like 2017, um, and so I wore this Ryan Shazier jersey and the steel. I don't remember who they were playing, but Whoever they were playing, it was the game that Ryan Chazier spear tackled someone and was paralyzed permanently oh and was wheeled off the f- wheeled off the um, field and like has had to spend years learning to walk again. Yeah, um, probably like the worst we- incident we've seen of something on field kind of yeah. having that effect on somebody, at least in recent memory. Um, it was the first game I watched in that Ryan Chazier jersey. Have you I think worn it since? Oh, yeah, I wear it all the time. And, I mean, yeah. the Steelers have not been good, so I, I'm, it's possible I'm cursing them actively. Yeah. Um, but that was the first time I woke up to, like, oh, wow, this, like, is pretty violent. And I've been – it's been a bit of a joke the past month and a half where I've just been kind of telling people, like, I don't follow the Steelers anymore. It's been kind of true. I haven't been watching the games. Yeah. Um, the last game I tried to watch, I think they were, like, playing the Colts. And I was already kind of like, I don't know. <laughs> it's just kind of, like, crappy. Um and the one Steelers player, like, hit a guy um, and, like, kind of, like, knocked him out cold for a minute. And I just, like, I was just, like, kind of disgusted, and I turned off the TV, for, and I was, like, done. This is coming off as me bearing, like, very high horse morally, but mm-hmm. the Steelers are playing a playoff game this week, and I'm probably going to watch it. So <laughs> yeah. like, let's be honest Well, you didn't here. expect them to be there, and... Yeah, yeah, I'm already it's out. It's like, how can you... Yeah. 
It's yeah. kind of house money now. No one expects them to win. I don't yeah. even like them. Yeah. So I can watch it with just pure enjoyment and yeah. congratulate the Bills when they win. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah, that's something I think about a little bit. Anyway, I'm sorry, UFC Jacinto. <laughs> let's let's pull the trail back. <laughs> so you and your wife Lindsay got married a year and a half over a year, year and, and a half change. ago now. July sixteenth, twenty twenty two. Yeah, twenty twenty two. Okay, we're coming up on a year and a yeah. half. Yeah, so two years will be this this summer. I'm checking my ring because I have it engraved. <laughs> okay. Year, yeah, twenty two. You should not okay. confess that you're double checking your your the year, wedding the anniversary. <laughs> I don't know. Time's if that's, a flat circle. I don't know if that's any better. <laughs> yeah. What are years? Is that real? Yeah. It's not a real thing. I have to I have to count a little bit. Two years. Yeah. So. Yeah, twenty twenty two. So you guys have been married a year and a half, living and in the Harrisburg area. It's mm-hmm. been going well. Very well. Yeah. Yeah. She she's great. You know, mm-hmm. if you don't. For those listening, <laughs> if you don't know who she is, she's Lindsay Steam. She does worship from time to time, probably once a month, once every other month. She plays keys a lot. Beautiful voice. Um, yeah, she has an EP on on Spotify, Apple Tunes, Apple Apple Tunes, Apple, Tunes. Apple iTunes. iTunes doesn't even exist anymore. Apple Music, wherever you get your music. Um, SoundCloud link in the SoundCloud. Bio. So you know, check it out. She did that fully independently, right? She had a dream to to kind of create her own EP, and that was a big goal of hers, and she did it, I think it was after college. Um, but yeah, she was over the span of a couple months, and, you know, she worked <clears throat> with some, some people that she knew to, to get it done. So, yeah, that's a big accomplishment to, to even have that. So I haven't seen... She's supposed to get royalty checks in <laughs> from Spotify and iTunes. Um, I don't know what her last one was. Um, but yeah, go listen so we can uh so get, she can get three cents checks for each listen. But yeah, it's, it's like go a check it out. Of a penny, I think, per yeah. listen or something, isn't it? It is, yeah. But it's wonderful. Um other than that, besides the mu- music thing, uh, she's great. She you know, really Really happy to and be blessed to to be married to such a wonderful person. I could go this entire podcast talking about her, and yeah. I can and probably will, but we'll see about that. And um, look, this is all sincere too. It's almost <laughs> it's almost too much to take, Christian. I mean, come on. I'd be remiss if I didn't at least plug my wife. Yeah, no, that's yeah, good. Have to. <laughs> yep. So. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I'll, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll cut it there. Cause then I, I can go on and on and on. So brownie points gained, uh, check. Um, <laughs> so you guys have been coming here then lo- since before you were married of a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So our story kind of starts where when we first started dating, she was looking for jobs in Philly cause it had always been a dream of hers to live in the city and she wanted to get to Philly and, and experience that. <clears throat> she had a lot of friends there, um, a decent community there um, that she could be a part of. And that summer when we met, I was already living in Harrisburg. Um, I was working here for a couple years, didn't really know what I wanted to do. I didn't really have a reason to leave Harrisburg. I also didn't really have a lot of reasons to stay considering my family was from right outside Philly. So a lot to be said, you know, we met and she was in the midst of moving to Philadelphia or applying for jobs in Philadelphia. And we did the long distance thing for a while. COVID hit and she 
was put on fur we were both put on furlough but she was put on furlough indefinitely by her job so um rather than sit in a house by herself in philadelphia and kind of not do anything it was like okay like i can do that in harrisburg but at least i'm with my partner and i'm with my my parents um so she was able to come back here for a little bit and that's when we started seeking out you know a church to go to right because we had by then we had conversations about getting married and spending our life with each other um and a big part of that you know her being a pastor's kid and coming from a family of ministry you know her her faith and the church that she attends is very important to her um myself growing up in the catholic church um i've been attending a catholic church up until i met her until we found hbic to be quite honest and our journey at hbic started when we were looking for a church together right we didn't necessarily want a church that was like okay we're going to christian's church or we're going to Lindsay's church we wanted to find something that fit both of us and not fit both of us in the sense of like it meets our needs as a couple mm-hmm. right and we attended a few different places in the area a few different places and i know there's a place in like westchester that we took a look at not a lot of them felt right um so we got recommended by to HPIC by a couple friends. And we came here during one of the outdoor services that was in the parking lot. And I showed up and I was like, what is what is going on here? Like what's what's this? Because I come, you know, going to church, it was like growing up, a lot of the Catholic churches are very pretty and they're beautiful and they have like stained glass windows and they're very big and they're very, you know, whatever, whatever. And this was a different experience. It was like an old car dealership, right? It was an old, yeah. just an old sob dealership, I'm pretty sure, mm-hmm. right? So it was like a different experience. Even having a service outside was different. We're in a chained-in lot, and, you know, you can't hear the sermon over the guy's sound system up the hill mm-hmm. on the, at the car wash. <laughs> the car wash, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so walked down, and then I just, worship had already started, and I because it was outside and because it was someone who sounded like they could sing folk music, I'm still convinced to this day, and there's no way to prove this otherwise, I'm still convinced to this day that it was Pastor Woody on worship in his Southern accent because I showed up and I was like, oh man, this is like Woodstock. This is sweet. (laughs) Just like Woodstock. Just like Woodstock, so. Was it not Pastor Woody? I don't remember. And Lindsay is very confident that it wasn't. I'm pretty confident it wasn't either. And you seem confident that it wasn't. But it was someone who sounded like they had a southern accent Hmm. accent or a southern twang to them. Yeah, twang, yeah. That's the word. Yeah, maybe it might have been Ed Mashis. I'm not sure. So to look into that. that, So that sold it on you. They're singing folk music. That was part of it. (laughs) Woodstock. Yeah, and it was really cool. And I remember um, a couple of the churches that we had tried previously um to just check out and see what it was like they spent half maybe not all of them but at least one of the churches that we went to spent half the quote-unquote sermon or the service on sunday promoting their church mm-hmm. and promoting like if you're a member here you get access to this and we have this big support system for um 
for all our members and stuff like that. And I was like, I drove all the way out to Westchester for this. Like, I got nothing out of this. I got nothing. Like, so that was, that was really tough for us. And I, I think, and I'll say this because I've, I've, this is our testimony, and I've said this to a lot of other people because it's the truth. It came at a point in our relationship where obviously our faith was really important, but we really needed to fund a church that we both agreed upon mm-hmm. and we both felt like home. And it was a turning point in our relationship, right? Because we had talked about getting married um, and we wanted to get married, but it was also very important to have that home base. And we weren't funding it. Um, so God blessing us with that, right? At a, and it honestly being an answer to prayer of just providing a an opening for us, right, was one of the most important things that could ever happen to our relationship and our marriage, right? Because we're still we still are active in the church. We try to we try to disciple. We try to stay involved and it's really brought us closer together as a married couple. Um so yeah, that was I know I sorry I tend to ramble a little bit, but no, it's good. Yeah, um, that was a very important even day when we visited the church, and I distinctly remember the thing that quote unquote sold me amongst many other things was Pastor Hank saying, mentioning the U.S. Constitution in his sermon. I'm sure glowingly. Yeah. <laughs> and talking about how some people in this country view the Constitution above the Bible mm. and that they use that as gospel and truth and direction for their ideologies. And that's something that very much spoke to me because that's something that I have seen with my own eyes around this country, right? And being a Filipino American, it was very, it's, just being frank and honest, right? It's in certain parts of central Pennsylvania, it's not as diverse as it is back home in Philadelphia. Not that like Philadelphia is crazy diverse, but it's, you know, it's, it's different, right? It's a little bit different from where I grew up. So culturally and being felt like I was seen as a non-white person in a city that has, or an area that has a lot of admittedly white people mm-hmm. was awesome. And to have the message that day kind of speak to some of the things that I saw problematic with our country, whether you vote left, right, central, it really doesn't matter. And even I think Pastor Hank even said that in that term, he's like, I don't care if you vote left, right, middle, whatever. It's kind of just like, yeah. So, yeah, and that was that was really important. Um, just, and I think it even says on the church website, right, to be intentionally diverse or multicultural, multi-ethnic. Um, to have that explicitly stated in the church mission, you don't see that a lot, if at all, at any churches. So, to be one of the one of the primary things that yeah. the church tries to achieve. Well, you have, I mean, in my experience, you have to try and, and want that for it. To, like, it doesn't happen on accident. Mm-hmm. 
it barely happens when you're trying, mm-hmm. let alone on accident. So like to, it needs to be stated and mm-hmm. like sought after for it to happen. Mm-hmm. Well, that's cool that you found that here. And apparent, so apparently, like, so Lindsay's AG or was like Assemblies of God, mm-hmm. like historically, that's what she grew up as. So, mm-hmm. so HPIC is the is the exact midway point between the Catholic Church and the Assemblies of God. Is what <laughs> that's what we're learning. That's what we're learning. But all the churches on the spectrum. here today. <laughs> and on one end was the Catholics, and one end was the <laughs> yeah. was the AG. We're right there in the middle. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's beautiful that we could, you know. So basically, we saved your marriage. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Not that it was under any uh, <laughs> trouble or anything. We let, allowed but it to go forward. Allowed it to to move forward in the in the way that we envisioned. Yeah, that's good. Right in the way we that we wanted one it. One of you having to compromise mm-hmm. too far on one end or the other. Yeah. Yeah, and one of the things that was really cool, and I didn't notice this immediately, but I noticed it probably as we started attending, is that there's like. And again, this is these. This is my thoughts, right? From what I notice, I've only been attending for two years, roughly. And if I'm wrong, please someone correct me. I don't want to. I don't speak for the church, but one of the things that I notice is that HBIC does quote unquote borrow or use different traditions from other churches, and they're not afraid to do that, right? And I spoke to Pastor Woody about even Ash Wednesday, right? That's a quote unquote Catholic thing but to have Ash Wednesday service because it made sense to do Ash Wednesday service, yeah. right? And it was a great tradition and a great honor to do that. That was really cool to me that there's no, there's not these hard dividing lines of we are this, so we only can do this, or we cannot do that because they're not real Christians or blah, 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 blah. It's like, no, we, we're just going to do what makes sense, right? And what kind of what we believe in. And yeah. I think that was something that is becoming increasingly more apparent when you learn about, when you go through Rooted, Right when you go through these conversations with people who've been around for a while, just kind of the origins of a lot of the things that we do around the church at yeah. this church. So, yeah, it's part of that DNA comes from the BIC a little bit. I mean, historically, the BIC have kind of like, you know, they were Anabaptists, but they were also pretty open to like, well, this sounds like the gospel. Well, mm-hmm. let's do it. You know, let's you know. So, oh, cool, Methodism. Yeah, great. Or evangelicalism, whatever. Sure. Um, and there's lots of, I think I, my last BIC church did Ash Wednesday stuff too. And mm-hmm. I, I bet a lot of them do. Um, and like, yeah, HPIC really interesting because we, you know, there's times, you know, one Sunday month we have like gospel choir and like kind of the mm-hmm. you know, African American church tradition, but we also like are more quote unquote liturgical than any church I've ever been a part yeah. of. So it's kind of this thing where, like, you know, we're we're striving to be diverse, and we're a you know a city church, and and all these different things. We we also do like a call to worship and a lot of reading of scripture and like all the prayers, like so many prayers, you know. Whereas a lot, most contemporary churches I've been in, like, it tends to get more watered down, just like songs, offering, message, bada bing, and we just like do all the things here, you know. Yeah, I think a, a big part of that is what you're saying, like, yeah, like why wouldn't we? You know, and sometimes we'll borrow liturgies or borrow prayers from other traditions and things mm-hmm. of that nature for whatever we're doing. And a lot of that's like, you know, Pastor Hannah's really uh, open-handed and like, I think, willing to embrace those things. You know, Hank, all the pastors kind of, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and, you know, we can we can get into it like we talked about, my relationship with, with Pastor Woody. Um, but I've, t- I've talked to him a decent amount about this topic and just kind of 
what HBIC has done historically, what it's worked to do. And one thing that I've noticed in my short time here is that, like you said, you are able to do those things. You are able to borrow from other traditions, right? Or other sects of Christianity, or whatever you want to call it, right? And you're able to do that if you yourself as a church are comfortable in your own skin and your identity, and you're not too proud to learn and to understand other cultures and to understand. And culture does, doesn't just mean the color of the skin or what part of the world you're from. It can very much mean like how you grew up in church culture, right? Because everyone has different experiences in that, right? So they're yeah. not, you guys aren't proud, right? And it's, yeah. it's really nice to see. Yeah, if your default posture is op- like trying to be open to other people's like experience and practices and trying to be like tolerant of that in the most literal sense of the word, like walking mm-hmm. along side one another in those differences and yeah there's not going to be much of a there aren't going to be many things where like we don't do that here yeah you know um if it's theologically sound you know Mm -hmm. yeah and there's just an openness to like church tradition and history and kind of i think that's too like i think a lot of churches are coming to that place a little bit more i think as time goes on you know, being really rigid on these denominational differences and stuff, I think maybe even 10, 20 years ago, it might have been more so the case of, like, mm-hmm. that's a Catholic thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I, when I was growing up, with respect to you, I was like, I don't think, like, Catholics aren't even Christians. Yeah. When yeah. I was in, like, high school yeah. or middle school or whatever. As, like, yes, and I've heard that a lot. As an evangelical. Exactly. I was basically raised believing, like, Catholics aren't Christians. Mm-hmm. Um and as far as I can tell, like, well, I don't think that at all anymore. Yeah. And also, it seems like the mainstream, even evangelical church wouldn't say that either necessarily. Mm-hmm. We have a much nuanced understanding of there are some certain theological things we definitely disagree on, but nothing that necessarily, you know, takes away from them being, you know, we could be able to say, like, we have a lot of shared ground. Even if there's things we certainly disagree on and mm-hmm. we do differently, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like, it doesn't mean you're going to hell. Yeah. Know? Yeah, and it's, that's something, admittedly, that it's something I struggled with, right, coming into this church. Because my background, you know, a lot of members of this church come from a Protestant background mm-hmm. in some way, shape, or form. And my background is significantly different. Even the structure on a Sunday is completely different. Mm-hmm. So it's something... I struggled with almost to like, as like an identity crisis, right? This is all I knew growing up. This is what it is now. And, you know, it's it's just having to reconcile that, having to go through that, having to think about that and process that. At times it's difficult. Um, And the way I answer it, when, you know, someone's like, oh, you're a Protestant now, or you quote-unquote converted, or you're no longer a Catholic. I'm like, dude, I just love Jesus. Mm-hmm. I don't call it anything, right? When we go home to my parents, we still happily go to a Catholic church because that's tradition, and we have nothing against the Catholic church, right? That's nothing. It's That's just us, right? We might have some things we disagree with, that might vary between me and Lindsay, but as a couple, we are dedicated to this church, but that doesn't mean we are unwilling to go to a Catholic service when we go back to my parents' house and spend Christmas Day with them or just a regular Sunday. There's no problem there whatsoever. And I think that 
you know, it's been tough at times for me personally to reconcile with that, but I think I'm at a much better place with that. And a lot of that has to do with my, my sessions with, with Pastor Woody and discipleship mentorship. Yeah, let's talk about that. If you want to get into that a little bit, um, you'd ask me to give a little bit of testimony, which I don't know when this podcast is going to come out, but maybe it will have had, had happened already, but you know, we'll talk about it on Sunday. But yeah, so a couple months ago, Pastor Ryan texted me saying, hey, Pastor Woody's looking for a few people to, to be spiritual mentors for. And I thought of you. And the first thing I thought was like, man, do I need Jesus that bad? <laughs> so I surveyed the church and thought I looked for the, <laughs> the most vibrant dumpster fire I could. <laughs> Which I've now confirmed from our dinner tonight that that is not the case. But uh, no, yeah, my version of the story was so, yeah, real quick, Woody reached out to me, like you said you know, coming off 40 years of ministry, like, he's like, what I really feel like I want to do in this season is just go deep pouring into, like, one or two people, and uh, you were someone that I thought was, um, you seemed, like, ready to grow. Mm-hmm. You seemed, like, eager, the type of person that, if invested in in that way, would, like, soak that up and, like, really run with it. Anyway, mm-hmm. go on. Yeah, yeah, so that was, obviously, I said yes, because that's where this story is going, but... Yeah, so Pastor Woody's looking for someone, a few people to spiritually mentor. And I met with him for the first time. We met at City Line Diner here, right down the street. Great place. Best breakfast in Harrisburg. Yeah, it's really, really good. First time there. And he was like, look, like this is, he's like, I'm not going to be your therapist or anything along that. I can be. But what I want us to do is to structurally go through how essentially you can draw closer to God and build your relationship with God, right? And it, it's there's going to be like specific prompts to go through and prayers to go through and how to read the Bible and how to pray. Um, I won't spoil anything because, you know, we're still going through it. It's, it's a quote-unquote experiment but it's he's taught me ways to to structurally go through you know how to read the bible and the way that he taught me is through Lectio Divina Mm -hmm. which I believe has even roots in Catholicism I was gonna say there you go a nice Latin Latin words for you (laughs) so that's basically reading the bible and very 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 slowly word for word and praying while you're doing it and if something pops out at you jot it down sit on it and you can read 20 verses if you want you can read literally one line if you want but that's been one of the main things to that he taught me was like the divina and how to read the bible because admittedly i didn't read the bible growing up right so like when I would read the Bible, it would just be like, oh, this is a cool story. I wonder what this means. I never really sat with it, and I never really felt like it was drawing me closer to God. Um, it was, but in kind of in a roundabout, legalistic way, right? But the second thing that he, we kind of went through was kind of just a prayer of examination. And it's just 
being honest with yourself. And it's not, it's not in the sense of where did I fail God this week? Where was I a bad Christian? Where was I gr a great Christian? It's really, where did I feel God's presence this week? Where could I have used him and reached out more? What is, how is he affecting my life right now? Where is he calling me to do? Is it the examen? Exam, yeah. It's like ignation. It's another another Latin word. Baby. Yeah. Let's go. It's like prayer of ignation, examen. Yeah. Yeah. It's all yeah. different words for it. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's honestly, I and it's it's just God. It's God working, and whether you want to call it mysterious, weird, not mysterious, weird, because. That's just God's plan, but it's just God's journey for me, right? And I I firmly believe that I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be, and that you texted me saying, "Do you want this, Pastor Woody?" Reaching out, even wanting to do this, and us meeting every other Monday for an hour and just talking about it has had a profound impact on my spiritual life and my life in general, and. The best way I can measure that is by asking my wife, do I seem different to you? Yep. <laughs> and the answer is yes, because she knows me better than anybody. Mm -hmm. She knows me better than I know myself. And if she detects that, like, there's a difference in my spirituality, that the way I talk about it, that the way I approach it, that I'm more patient or more humble, things like that, those are the things that have come out of my time with Pastor Woody. And those, honestly, humility and patience and all that, that's secondary, right? Because first and foremost, I felt like I have further fostered my relationship with Christ. That it's always been there, right? We all have it as believers, right? It's always accessible. But to tap into that and to speak to him how we should speak to him, right? And not just like every every couple of weeks, oh, I need something. Please help me. It's more so like every little thing I do now. Every you know, if I'm stuck in traffic, Lord help me be patient and not uh, <laughs> not get angry at this person who just cut in front of me. Right? Um, yeah, and it's it's been very very powerful. And going back to what I mentioned earlier about struggling with identity coming into this church and coming out of, you know, how I grew up, this, that has come, and I mentioned that to Pastor Woody, right? Having an imposter syndrome, you know, our group of friends that we go to get wings with and other people in the church and talking about openly about the Bible wasn't a real thing that I grew up with, right? Openly talking about your faith and all these different things. I felt like an imposter sometimes because I just didn't have that experience. But now I know that I don't need to do that in order to be happy, in order to feel accepted, because we are perfect in God's eyes already. Right, and that's, that's more than enough. That's more than enough. So everything else should, shouldn't be a contest. It shouldn't be, I'm doing this, I read this Bible verse, let me show it to you because you need it right now. It should be, how are we encouraging someone? How are we encouraging someone to deepen their relationship with Christ? 
and that that's all I got. <laughs> so I can second Lindsay's uh, assessment. You know, six months ago, all you talked about was fantasy football, and now <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Now here we are. That's not really true, but you do really like fantasy football. I do. Yeah, I'm clean. I'm t- three years clean. Two years clean. <laughs> um, that's great, man. Do you think? I imagine Woody's talked to you about this, but is this the type of thing where if and when this process with you and Woody completes or runs some amount of its course, Mm -hmm. is your like intention or hope to then turn around and kind of be this to somebody else? Absolutely. Yeah. That's day one. That was the quote unquote promise that I made to, to pastor Woody that he asked me, he told me he would pour everything that he has into me, which he has, and more. And that I would promise to turn around and do that to someone else. Mm-hmm. And that they would promise to turn around and do that to someone else. Mm-hmm. Because as we all know, I don't know the statistics right now, how many Christians are on this planet right now? Like Two, two billion maybe? Or yeah, three something, billion, like, something that. like that. Yeah. The church started from 12. Mm-hmm. So that just speaks to the power of discipleship, of just growing the word of Christ through discipling will grow the church exponentially. Mm-hmm. And it's not its not necessarily about power, right? It's not necessarily about, oh, we want the biggest church and be the biggest whatever, whatever. It's just because we want people to know Christ mm-hmm. because he's our Lord and Savior and... Yeah, we just want as many people to know him as possible. I think that's an awesome dream to have and aspiration to have. And you fulfill that through discipleship. Yeah. I think that's so good that he, you know, made you promise that on the front end. Mm -hmm. You know, that we, you, the purpose of this is not for this to be an end in and of itself, but that to, you know, replicate and have that successive generation of disciples. It's really good. I've seen it, man. Well, I've seen the effect in you. I've literally walked by Hank's office and seen you and Woody in there, him <laughs> standing trying. behind his chair, just <laughs> he can't st- talking to you. <laughs> There's a few few weeks he couldn't sit because it was too painful. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I think this is going well. Woody's just standing up while Scripture <laughs> sits there. This like six six man <laughs> towering over me. <laughs> I don't think he's that tall, but as as a fellow short person, I he, I he appears that way. He seems that way. Are you? Yeah. Sh- well, you're not that short. You know? Five, mm, realistically, five eight. Okay, five, so eight, five, slightly nine, below like average. I'm a little more than slightly below average. So yeah. we're, we're roughly in sync. Yeah. It's really cool to see him do that. Uh, to hear you like hear your testimony on it, and just like wanting to make the commitment to go forward with it, and like you said. Um, if everyone in our church did this, let alone like everyone in every Christian in the world, like the world would be changed mm-hmm. very quickly. Um, yeah, I mean, if all Christians did it, I re- I heard somewhere like um, some church said, you know, this guy that wrote a book on this kind of this type of discipleship paradigm. He's like, you know, if you did one person and that person did it with like two or three other people, and then though they like six months later, those three people, two people turned around and did it to like three people six months in like five years or something the whole like the whole world <laughs> mm. would follow Jesus you know wow. what I mean 
which I don't think like I don't whether or not that would actually happen. It just goes to show you the fact that so many people don't follow Jesus is partly that we're not, you know, taking that step to kind of like really invest in people in that way. Yeah. You know, and what 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 you and Woody are experiencing is a little bit different because you did already follow Jesus, but just like the strengthening and the deepening of that and like the ripple effects that are going to have in your life that are going to have in your marriage that are going to have in with your children someday, if you Mm -hmm. guys have children um, with, you know, and with the people that you turn around and like invest in, you know, it's going to be really cool to see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I, I think, it might be a different experiment than you were talking about, but one of the things that he showed me was from the Oxford group. So that's where they kind of did this same style of experiment where they discipled one another, and then all of a sudden you just had this large group that was discipling, <laughs> right? So, But they, I don't know the complete history. He kind of just touched upon it briefly, but they were the basis for the 12 steps of AA. Oh, wow. Um, and that's what came about out of their experiment. Wow. Which is pretty cool. So a lot of lives have been <laughs> materially changed yeah. from that, too. Mm-hmm. It's so cool. Uh, and I hope if anyone's listening to this, if they're feeling like any type of tugging on their heart to like do something similar, mm-hmm. um, it's powerful. There's there's a number of folks in our church that are in this type of mentor-mentee relationship. And I've said it before. I said it on a recent podcast. But, um, yeah, I think for all of us, I was talking to Jay Mumper, and I don't know when that episode will come out, but, like, if all of us had that person that was kind of like, quote unquote, ahead of us or like older, spiritually older, spiritually younger, and then spiritually like our same age or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Like we need all that, right? We need peers, spiritual peers. We need someone that like can invest in us. And then we need someone we're like investing in. Mm-hmm. Um, how much we'd be like strengthened and how much our community would change. It'd be really cool. So it's really good, man. Thank you for like sharing the story. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's not only Pastor Woody, and I'd we talked about this over dinner. I'd be remiss if I didn't say one of the things that really had an impact on me was one of the sermons that you did a couple months ago when I was talking about staff. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to put you on the spot, but yeah, it's okay. true, right? And it was a challenging sermon that I don't want to put words in your mouth, so please correct me if I'm misremembering the contents of that sermon. Put words in my mouth. I'm turning my <laughs> mic off. <laughs> but it was basically talking about how it's easy for us as a church even not only as Christians but even as a church we have so many activities going on here Wednesday night dinners you know things on Sundays all the activities that we have how easy it is to just come check a box and that that's it right and think that you're doing a good job in your relationship with Christ and replacing that and saying that is like you working on your relationship with your Christ, with Christ when it's not and you're saying you'd rather disciple and you'd rather have these one-on-one conversations and you'd rather, I forget exactly what you said, but you're basically talking about you'd rather us not just check boxes if that was going to be the case. If that's the only purpose that you were doing those things for. Yeah. Um, and it was a very challenging sermon for me because that was true. Mm-hmm. And especially for me and probably for a lot of people um, to hear that I would come to like Wednesdays and I really still like coming to Wednesdays and I would come to this and I would volunteer wherever, which we should still do. Right. But 
we should do for the right reasons, not to check a box, not because we think we need to do works to be saved, whatever you may believe. It's, are we discipling at the same time? Are using this as an opportunity? Like on Wednesdays, are we having deep conversations with people? Um, et cetera, et cetera. But I think the term was like spiritual placebo. Yes, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it can make us feel like we're following Jesus. Maybe we're not. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think anyone, I wouldn't assume that many or any people are like consciously. Exactly. Thinking, Great. I can check my box. Mm-hmm. I did it for the week. I don't think we tend to go around consciously thinking that, but there can be this effect of kind of like, mm-hmm. well, I was at the building all week. I was at the church building all these hours this week. Mm-hmm. I must be following Jesus, right? Exactly. Or I'm a pastor. I literally get, got, you know, my <laughs> my uh, W-2 says that I follow <laughs> Jesus. Uh, <laughs> According um, to the state, I do. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. in the eyes of the government, I, I, follow, I follow Jesus. So um, certainly getting taxed for it. Um, that's great, man. Ha- when do you meet with Woody next? We met this past Monday. Mm. He Be- Before Nick Saban retired. Before Nick Saban retired, well, it's, gonna be it's tough been for a, him. it's been a crazy week for him. It's gonna be tough for him. He's gonna meet his grandson for the first time, mm-hmm. and Nick Saban retired. Death and new life. Yep. All well, the, come hand in hand. The death was Michigan. It was Alabama losing to Michigan. Oh yeah, the worst way to go out, man. Oof. And in his words, he got compensated for that via a grandkid. <laughs> <laughs> Did he say that? Jokingly, of course. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> It's a dark uh, day when Nick Saban loses to Jim Harbaugh in a meaningful game, but yeah. then his grandson came. Yeah, and everything else was all was right in the world for all him. All was so. right, totally okay, or yeah. like seventy-five percent right, seventy-five percent, twenty-five percent. He'll you'll have to ask him for the exact <laughs> ratios. I don't speak for the man. <laughs> Roll Tide. Sorry, okay. the golden age is over. Probably. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good man. Shout out, Pastor Woody. You're you don't know what a podcast is. You're never gonna listen to this, but yeah. I, <laughs> I, 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 don't, I want to put a pass at maybe, probably not. <laughs> to listen to a podcast? He might. He I might. If he, knows, he, I don't if think he, he knows he was com- on the topic. I don't think he owns a computer. If you show someone his phone, probably. Yeah, when I have to call him, I need to call his house because he doesn't. <laughs> oh, he doesn't have a smartphone? He might. He does. He doesn't. I don't think he knows how to text that well. Okay. And he has an email. Mm-hmm. But doesn't really check that much. You download Spotify for him. <laughs> Show him Lindsay's EP. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. SoundCloud, Lindsay's team. There we go. Plug, Full plug, circle. plug, 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 plug. Thank you, Christian. Yeah, no problem. <laughs>